Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, welcome back to Ausbiz. What a day. Peak performance of the uh, earnings reporting season. We are just awash with them at the moment. And of course, here on Ausbiz is Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. You get to hear about it first and you get to talk to all the chief executives or uh, listen to all the chief executives as they talk with the Ausbiz team, analysing everything you need to know about uh, our major listed companies and uh, how they're going at the moment. Uh, we're going to take a bit of a break from that over the next 60 minutes. This is a program called The Call where we look at 10 stocks that you suggest we have a look at. I put them to uh, two experts on our panel and uh, they give their view on them. And also we uh, look at a couple of stocks of the day and of course, they will be earnings related this morning. Let's welcome the team for today. Uh, Rob Corlett from Macro. Rob, uh, welcome. Good to see you again. And uh, Adam Dawes from Shore and Partners. Dawsey Alder, always good to have you aboard. Dawsey, how are you finding earnings yes. season at the moment? Are you getting a general picture of the, the shape of the market? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, especially over the last coming couple of uh, days, we've certainly seen this market start to pull back. Uh, a little bit. And that's probably just this inflated prices that we've seen in this market. I mean, they've just been absolutely going crazy. So it's quite good. And obviously, some of our bigger stocks, CBA coming off its all-time highs, BHP coming off its all-time highs, Rio, those kinds of stocks are definitely pulling the market back a little bit. Looking at sort of overall the earnings so far, we've had, uh, when I guess we're just over halfway at the moment. And I think we've seen some fairly good results and, and potentially Hopefully, we keep up with what's happening in the US on those results as well. So I think it's been a good result uh, earning season so far. Still got some very, very big companies to come in next week, and then I'll, I'll pass judgment at the end of, uh, uh, of August. Okay, but a good start. Um, yeah, absolutely. Rob, how are you reading it? Um, I've, I've got to say shareholders seem to be being hosed with money from some of the big end of town and increased dividends, share buybacks. There's a lot of money coming Australians' way over the next month or two. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's all because of the material sector and, and the boom that they've uh, seen in the last uh, 12 to 24 months. Look, we, we've been pre predominantly working the sell side for the last few months. Um, our concern is that 
after some of those large companies do pay the dividends, that'll take a lot of the steam out of the market and we might get a, a significant pullback. Uh, so uh, really talking to clients and saying, look, you know, do you want to hold on to these large stocks uh, all the way through to the ex-dividend and pick up that income? Or are you thinking maybe selling it just before it goes ex-dividend? Uh, but generally, if it's not a large dividend paying stock like what we expect Fortescue to be and BHP, Rio, then we've actually been working the sell side, uh, just trimming back to what might be a core position in someone's portfolio um, and just trying to clean up portfolios. We're not really looking to take on new risk at the moment. Yeah, I must admit, I must admit, Dorji is a grumpy old bloke like me. Um, I keep thinking, oh, and, and I saw it today. Um, uh, when I was doing the Sunrise Finance segment, I, I was going through the wire services and there was a story there saying, what are the similarities between this market now and 1987 at this time in the lead up to the 87 share market crash? And I was thinking, oh no, don't start saying, <laughs> saying that. Let's not start that rumor just yet, Koshi. I think we've got to uh, at least put that back a little bit. But yeah? is, this, is this peak market though? Is this as good it as it's going to get? It does feel like that, doesn't it? It, it certainly feels like that, you know, you, you've got these massive dividends. And obviously, we're a commodity-based market. So, you know, we've seen uh, commodity tailwinds and potentially continuing those tailwinds as well. But absolutely, we're seeing that. Uh, that. Um, we, we, did some, we did some analysis on bull markets and how long bull markets can go for. Uh, we, if, if you look at that and if, if you say we're in a bull market, which you know potentially we are, then we, we'll always have these little bits of dips to then continue higher. Um, we are very much square smack bang in the halfway mark of, oh. of, of a bull market. So okay. there's always worrying. We climb the wall of worry, I think, is, is what we, yeah. what we uh, always right. look at. And that, that's right. the problem. You're saying I need a drink. Good. Uh, loosen up a bit. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll yeah, take Richard. your advice. All right. <laughs> I never need much of an excuse. All right, let's um, take a look at stocks. Uh, stock of the day. I thought I'd do two stocks today because they both dropped today and they're sort of related here on the call. When, when uh, we get questions about gold stocks, um, often our experts talk about Newcrest and Evolution. So let's take a, a quick look at their numbers today. Newcrest reporting 50% uh, boost of profits to a record $1.2 billion. Fully frank dividend, 40 cents, uh, 40 US cents a share, 130% better than the prior year, managed to a 41% uh, payout of the company's free cash flow. The company did flag elevated costs, though, would continue through next year. Uh, and also Evolution, um, they slashed their fi final payment if we... Uh, uh, by nearly half, despite a record four-year profit up 14%, as higher uh, gold prices offset a fall in output. Look here, head gold production guidance reaffirmed, expected to come in between 776, 760,000 ounces. Um, Rob, what did you think of the results of Newcrest and Evolution, and does it change your guidance or opinion on them? Yeah, so as far as the results go, we, we thought overall uh, Newcrest was probably a slight beat on, on expectations. Um, from Evolution's perspective, you know, it was very much a mixed bag. You know, as we said, you know, big cut on the, uh, or a miss on the dividend side of things, a uh, beat on EBITDA and in line with revenue and NPAT, so, uh, or net income, sorry. So overall, you know, we'd probably call that one in line. 
look, we've been quite uh, negative on the gold sector now for at least six months, maybe even if you could go back as far as the US election. Um, you know, it's always been our position that the next big movement in gold is probably not going to come until after the stimulus package is rolled out over in the US from Biden's plan. Uh, you're going to need to see that rolled out. You're going to have to wait um, two or three months to get a couple of data points coming out. And then you're going to need those data points to start ticking up and having to, you'll read uh, commentary and headlines about inflationary concerns. Maybe the, the economy is recovering quicker than expected. Uh, and then at that point in time, when you start seeing the word inflation on the headlines coming out of the US economy, that's when we think gold will actually start making its move. Um, we're happy for clients to hold gold like a new crest or an evolution or something like that in the portfolio if it's a very small amount only as a hedge. But right now, we'd find it very difficult to go out and buy either of these two companies despite their results today. Um, and, and that's just come straight down to the fact that both of them are still trading under their 200-day moving average. Uh, right. And we're really big on making sure stocks are above those before we add them to portfolios. Interesting. Okay. Adam, what's your view on them both? I, I sort of echo uh, some of Rob's comments, uh, commentary there. I mean, I, I like clients to have a at least a 5% weighting in, in gold in, in, in their portfolio. So for me, I think, yeah, it is a good hedge against inflation. We know that inflation is coming. That, that, that is not, you know, it's not an argument. It, it, is, it is coming. So to have some kind of uh, position in gold, Certainly, Newcrest is the one that I do like, and they did guide to output of around about 2 million ounces of gold. Plus, also, they've got a truckload of copper in there as well, 130,000 tonnes they'll be producing next year as well. So that's certainly something to, to keep an eye on. And they are one of the all uh, in-sustaining costs as far as uh, to produce an ounce of gold with some of those copper credits. It's, it's fairly cheap uh, for them to do that. They did talk about Lahir, and obviously, that's been a bit of a... Bit of a uh, noose around their neck, but they've started to then get that moving a little bit better, uh, as well as they say that they've got some other growth projects going as well. So Newcrest would definitely be the one that I would choose out of those two. I do like Northern Star as well. So that would be my two picks in the gold space is Newcrest and Northern Star, Evolution third. But then after that, it's going down into the small end of the gold okay. space. And I think you probably need to be in that top end to right. take advantage of that. Would you be buying Newcrest at these levels now? Yeah, 25, 25.73. Okay. I'm comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Great. Uh, the stocks that you want us to take a look at. And Rob Verity wants a view on Aurora uh, group there, the, um, the packaging group in uh, with a lot of um, display uh, material as well, but recycled paper. Um, what do you think of Aurora? Yeah, so look, it's, it's a very defensive name. Uh, the company itself would be uh, quite neutral, on, unfortunately, at this stage. So, um, you know, you could continue to hold it if you had it. It wouldn't be something we'd be looking to uh, put clients into. Uh, you know, the dividend which came out at 4% is probably uh, the best metric that they um, have reported on. It's a recovery on global trade. Uh, we are seeing a rising demand for um, beveraged cans uh, because of people staying at home during COVID and the higher consumption. Um, so we're seeing some improved margins on that. 
Um, the short-term risk is obviously a second COVID uh, outbreak domestically um, because, you know, we are seeing some problems with um, uh, well, just, just some of the tariffs as well, I should say. Um, we've kind of there's not much domestically in this space so we've actually gone abroad and looked at the global um companies uh that are in this packaging space and the price earnings model for aurora is actually quite high compared to their global peers it's trading about 23 times globally um you know their peer groups around 17 percent um one of the ways we think investors could maybe get a bit of a, a leading indicator on how this will perform is looking at something like a Treasury Wine Estates. Uh, Treasury Wine Estates is one of their uh, key wine clients, and uh, most people would be familiar with the uh, imposed tariffs that China's made on Australian wines. And that's obviously meant there's been a decreased demand for wine bottles. So uh, look to Treasury Wines to get a bit of a lead indicator on how this mm. company might perform. Yeah, they did um, um, a pretty good report as well, uh, yeah. surprisingly, Treasury. Um, uh, Dorsey, what do you think of Aurora? Yeah, look, I, look, I own some of it myself uh, from many, many years ago. So I, I'm actually OK with it. But I'm with Rob. I'm, I'm neutral on it. I actually prefer Amcor uh, for that global packaging side of things. Amcor absolutely killed it on the report uh, this time round, up the dividend as well. So that would be my pick, Amcor, in this space. And there's a reason why Amcor actually divested Aurora many, many years ago. It was because the Australian and New Zealand armies are very much a mature market. And so Aurora, again, is struggling with that mature market being here in uh, Australia and New Zealand. They have gone into the US and started to compete or try and compete with Amcor in the in the America space. Um, the buyback's been completed, so that's that was a while back now. So that's a, certainly a positive, but also the big driver for Aurora was going to be the US, and that North American business did do quite well. It sort of beat some of the street's expectations for Aurora. So look, I'm comfortable with if you hold it, you hold it. I wouldn't be buying it. I prefer uh, Amcor for that growth in that packaging okay. business. All right. Uh, Naz wants a view, uh, Adam, on um, uh, 360 Capital Group, the old Trafalgar Group, Funds Management Group. Um, uh, what do you think of uh, 360? Yeah, so look, I actually like the guys. Uh, they're Tony Pitt uh, and, and they are very experienced uh, managers or, or investors as such. Um, so they actually run uh, one of the other uh, stocks that I really like, GDC, Global Data Center. Um, so, look, I think overall this group is a very um, is a good group and they know what they're doing. But the share price doesn't excite me as well as uh, the, the, the depth in this one. If you are a trader, it's one of those ones that is very, very tough to right. get set because it is quite illiquid. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, is they actually came out with a, uh, um, a sale proceed, uh, process. Uh, they're going to be selling some of their assets. Now, I'm a little bit perplexed as to why they're selling these assets. Obviously, they're not performing or they need some cash. So um, I think they're going to release a report next week. So I'm probably going to keep my judgments till next week. Uh, for me, it, it, it is a hold. I don't think I, I don't think you need to be there. I'd wait to see what that result uh, looks like. Uh, and as I said, selling some of those assets, which were core assets to start with, does concern me a mm. little bit. Okay, Rob. 
Yeah, look, I'd agree with Adam that we're concerned about the what would seems to be an aggressive uh, buying and selling of assets over the last few years. What we think might actually be happening here is a rotation in the um, underlying assets they're looking to try and hold. What we seem to be uh, seeing here is um, picking up uh, digital exposure assets like data centers, um, you know, digital software solutions, you know, those kind of things, selling off the more traditional assets. Um, so, you know, it, it's always a bit of a concern when you see a company doing a bit of a pivot. Um, look, we'd be happy to trust the management, as, as Adam said, you know, they're, they're, they're high caliber kind of, um, you know, management team. However, we'd probably prefer to be in this space or in this name um, maybe you know, six, 12 months down the track when the asset mix becomes a little bit more clearer. Um, it's definitely not trading like a traditional uh, REIT. Uh, and, and as Adam said, it can be quite difficult to get filled for a, a sizable position. Um, in this space, if you're looking for that REIT exposure, we'd actually prefer uh, Centuria. Uh, I think I've spoken about it a few times, CIP. That's just pure um, domestic industrial assets and the industrial REITs are where we're preferring our clients uh, hold their exposure at the moment. Right. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. Now, Ben uh, wants a view, Rob, on National Tire and Wheel. Ben says, I bought it uh, early in the year for $1.07, looked undervalued, wondering what the longer term outlook is. And as the name suggests, <coughs> they're in the distribution and marketing of, uh, of tyres, wheels, tubes uh, through Australia, New Zealand and South Africa. Yeah, so look, um, we actually like the company. It's been on our watch list for a while now. Um, and we'd be happy to start accumulating the stock. Um, they're mm. in a very strong sector at the moment, uh, you know, automobiles, cars, trucks. Uh, they're both uh, new and used sectors are in a high demand, which is due to the global uh, shortage in semiconductors. There is a small risk that's um, growing, uh, which is these um, freight costs that is impacting all of the discretionary products basically the ability to uh, replace inventory that's been sold um, before you need to try and sell it again. So if, if that thematic continues, then you could get lower sales volumes across all these um, you know, discretionary product providers, including uh, this company here. But uh, it, it's definitely something we're very interested to um, you know, look to formally come out and, and recommend clients to get into. Mm. Uh, we'd be very comfortable you know, at this stage for, for viewers of Ausbiz to accumulate um, the National Tire and Wheel company. Okay. Uh, Adam? Yeah, it's a little bit of a tough one for me. It's a, I'll just sort of say straight out, I think it's a hold. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I do think that the, the strength of this business is in their uh, agreements and uh, their distribution agreements because they have got a Goodyear and Cooper. Um, they do have exclusive distribution agreements which expire in 2027. And that currently sits around about 25% of its gross profit. So I don't think there's any uh, uh, harm in them uh, having those. And in fact, it's quite good, but it is quite a large part of their overall revenue or, or profit going forward. They did guide to the market to an update uh, on that by the, uh, the year end June 30. So they are guiding to a higher level, which I think is somewhat quite good. But overall, um, it is that sort of loss of that exclusive distribution agreement, which will slow down uh, right. their business. Plus then, 
slowdown in car consumer spending, as uh, rightly pointed out, it is a discretionary side of things. So for me, it just doesn't really excite me. Um, but uh, there's plenty of other better discretionary stocks out there that we could buy. Okay. Uh, Adam, does event hospitality and entertain, entertainment <laughs> excite you? Uh, Ebony wants to know, um, they're of course in cinemas and the state um, theatre uh, here in Sydney, cinema operations in Germany, they own the Threadbow Resort, a uh, lot of resort hotels as well. Yeah, so it's a reopening trade, really, isn't it, Koshi? Yep. It's that it's that one where you sort of think, well, if uh, everybody can go to go to skiing, because <laughs> geez, it's been a great skiing, and I'm missing out, so that that annoys me to start with. But uh, look, you know, cinemas, restaurants, all these other kinds of things, and uh, bowling as well. Um, like this is all reopening trade stuff. So if you look through, and we can look past the valley of COVID, absolutely, this is something that you would look to do and and look to buy again this is a company that is progressing with some of their non-core assets to sell so sinstar i think is one of those assets that they're looking to move away from uh and that's a germany uh based uh uh, cinema uh area so you know those kinds of things selling those non-core assets but i think it looks fully priced here i don't see anything you know it is holding up quite well that chart looks fantastic to be honest but i think it's fully priced here I, I, I think that the, the, the negatives for it are labor costs are, are increasing. So that's one. And then there's this other thing about these movie theaters. And I don't know if anyone, well, we've, we've, I don't know if we've talked about it on the show, but what it is is that you've got all these streaming services now bringing out these big releases within a week of it being released to the cinemas. So all of a sudden, Disney Plus with the new, uh, and the name escapes me, the new one um, that's, that's a Spider Widow or something that's come out, they, they basically released it straight away onto their uh, streaming yeah. platform. They didn't really wait for it to come into the cinemas. Yeah, and you, and it's and you rent it for, real... for 35 bucks or something. So yeah. it's like paying a cinema, yeah. cinema price. Yeah. Well, how much Well, how much does it cost to go to the cinemas for four, four people, two adults yeah. and two kids? It's, right. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. So there's always been a 45-day rule or a theatrical window that the businesses are like Warner, AMC, and all these big, large companies have said, look, we'll put it in your cinemas for 45 days, even 90 days. We'll put it in there for three months, and then you can, then you can, we'll put it on our streaming services. They've stopped that now with COVID. So that is another issue that just sort of makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable about what event hospitality, I think it's fully priced at the moment, and it'd be a hold from me. Yep. Okay, Rob? Yeah, look, I think the last point that Adam mentioned is really important for investors to understand that, um, yep, look, the the company's been hugely impacted by uh, COVID lockdowns, but uh, it's all about this thematic we're seeing coming out of the US. You know, some of the large theatre chains like Cinemark and uh, Regal Cinemas, they're shrinking that window of exclusivity where, um, you know, historically movies were restricted to cinemas for a period of time. And look, the traditional uh, was actually in that, 75 to 90 day range sometimes it could uh, vary a little bit uh, before it could be released to things like you know tv dvd these days obviously streaming uh services um currently in the us that's actually been negotiated down as the standard is now in that 17 to 45 day range and as uh, adam said you know certain movies are, are getting even lower uh exclusivity uh periods applied to them than that um, it's our opinion that this thematic will actually reach our domestic shores as well. And thus, uh, we're kind of quite pessimistic on the industry in the long term. 
Um, you know, what we're seeing from these uh, event cinemas is they're trying to drive business by offering, you know, premium products like the gold class tickets. You know, you get the reclining chairs, you get mm. the, the food, the alcohol, you know, trying to really add value to, to come to the movies. So, you know, like Adam said, if you've, if you've got four people going to the movies, you're kind of not leaving going, well, hey, I mean, I just spent 100, 120 bucks uh, and I just sat there and watched a movie. At least you feel, okay, well, yeah, it costs 120 bucks, but... You know, I, I got food, I got, you know, drink, I got, you know, good chairs, things like that. Um, we just don't see those drivers as being sufficient to overcome those changing thematic, thematics out of the US. So uh, mid to long term, we would be looking to lighten this stock and definitely wouldn't be putting it into portfolios. Um, as a COVID, like as a reopening play from COVID, there's two stocks we'd probably direct clients to have a look at. One of them is C-Link. Uh, C-Link is the large cap play that we'd be looking to do, worth about two billion. Uh, primarily involved with um, you know cruise and ferry services, yeah. you know, to, Captain, to destination. Captain Cook cruises, and as well as the Kangaroo mm-hmm. Island ferry. So it's interesting they're in tourism and transport, aren't they? Yeah, 100%. And that um, uh, moving out to Kangaroo Island was actually deemed as an essential service during COVID. So uh, they were able to carry on business quite nicely. The other play would be um, Ardent Leisure, which is obviously a smaller cap play. It's only worth about $460 But they have the theme parks like Dreamworld and Whitewater World. And the idea is that, you know, once we have this reopening away from COVID, People have gotten sick of spending all their days watching Netflix, Stan, Disney Plus uh, and being cooped up at home. And they'll want to escape to the outdoors for family fun and for relationship bonding right. experiences. And that's what uh, will drive them to use the services of, of people or companies like Sealink okay. and uh, Arden Leisure. All right. Sealink and Arden. Arden's a small yeah, company. Yeah, ALG. Yeah. Arden, you used to be a big cap. <laughs> then became a small cap, didn't it? It <laughs> sure did. <laughs> With the problems with Dreamworld. All right. Um, let's, uh, our fifth stock, uh, Rob Charles wants a view on ALS, the uh, professional services testing business. This is basically lots of people in white lab coats, is it? Testing for uh, mineral grades on expiration, but they've also got into uh, um, the health sector and testing there as well. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So they, they do pharmaceutical testing, food testing, engineering. They also do testing for COVID as well. Uh, but obviously the, the primary driver initially was um, the, the commodities uh, testing. So getting samples. And so as we saw the commodity boom underway, um, you know, big movements up in um, uh, iron ore prices and the like, a lot of the smaller explorers started to ramp up their um, funds that they were allocating to exploration, which then meant that um, companies like uh, ALS were receiving more work. Uh, look, we actually put them out as a rec January about 10.50, hit our price target around 12.45 in May. Uh, and really, we haven't seen the share price do too much since then. Uh, we are looking for the next catalyst to drive the share price. Um, they do have some really good um, assets as far as, you know, if COVID continues, they'll, they'll pick up some revenue from some of their assets if COVID is over. Um, you know, they've got some other things that'll, that'll uh, pop as well. So it that really is uh, a good looking company with a very low domestic downside risks to them. Um, we're just kind of holding off from being engaged in that investment 
just now. We want to know what the catalyst is that's going to drive the company. And then absolutely, we'd look to go back into them. But um, look, if um, viewers would like to start accumulating the position, we would definitely be comfortable with that as well. Okay. Uh, Adam? Yeah, so look, it is an interesting one because uh, you, you look at this business as a whole and it, it really does show uh, the, the, the diversity that you get in some of these businesses. And for people sort of playing at home, we, you might have known this as a business of Campbell Brothers uh, and and then, then it's changed its name after they acquired some of these testing businesses and then moved forward. But the businesses are founded in 1863, so it's got a long, long history of being one on the market, but then two being in business. The thing that I like about it is is that they are diversifying because it was very much about just testing rocks, testing mineral samples uh, for businesses. And they've got thousands and uh, thousands of uh, laboratories around the world. So the, the CapEx must be pretty big for these guys to go through. But then moving into pharmaceuticals and those kinds of things, I actually do like that side of it because you can't just rely on mining because, yes, it's a cycle and commodities are a cycle and, and that cycle is going to end sooner or later. Just uh, I'm a bit cautious of where the share price is at the moment. Most, broke, most brokers have got price targets of sort of 13 to $14. It's currently up there at the moment. So I don't see there too much uh, to the upside on that mm. as well. So, look, if you, hold, if, if you own it, keep holding it because I think it's got a very good business. It did go through a, a big transition period and the stock did suffer. It's now come out the other end. I think they're doing well. I just think on that price level, I'd be a bit cautious at the moment. So okay. it would be a hold for me. All right. Let's recap uh, our first half of the call. Our stocks of the day, the two gold stocks that uh, reported this morning, Newcrest and Evolution. Um, a no from Rob on both of them. Um, Adam is happy to buy Newcrest. Uh, Adam. Sorry? And Adam, Adam, I think you like Newcrest at these levels, don't yep. you? And, yep. and a, yep. and a no for uh, evolution from Adam. Aurora, a hold from both, but Adam prefers Ancor in this space. Uh, 360 Capital, uh, a no from Rob, a hold from um, Adam waiting for their report to come out because they're uh, looking at um, uh, selling some assets. So uh, he wants to wait and see what they're going to do with the structure of the company. Um, National Tire, an accumulate from, um, from Rob, a hold from Adam. Uh, event Hospitality, a hold from Adam. Um, a no from Rob. He prefers, if you want an opening stock in this sort of sector, maybe look at C-Link or Ardent Leisure and a hold for ALS from both of them. Uh, here at The Call, we've uh, been following our own fantasy portfolio since the 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner, NapTrade. Uh, any stocks that get um, a yes from both our panel go into it. Uh, let's see how it's been going for the week, uh, down a quarter of a percent for the month, up 0.7%. And since the 1st of July this year, um, up two and a half percent in the previous financial year. Uh, the calls portfolio was up about 37 percent. Uh, some of the stocks uh, recently added to the portfolio. Uh, Magnus Energy Technologies, Telstra, Raise Invest, PHP and Nixcali. Some of the stocks taken out. Uh, Janison Education, Virgin Money, Link and the Asia Technology Tigers ETF. If you want to see all the stocks and ETFs in the calls portfolio, 
go to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And just a quick reminder, our special super event, superannuation event, where our panel of experts will share their tips, tricks and insights is happening tomorrow. If you haven't already registered, you can at osbiz.co forward slash super returns. And uh, so join us live and free for our special event, Super Returns, brought to you by Virgin Money for a chat with our experts. There'll be a, a live Q&A as well as part of it. That kicks off tomorrow at midday Eastern. Uh, let's get into uh, our second uh, group of stocks, our final five for the hour. Um, Adam, Brad wants a view on the Waypoint REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust, used to be Viva Energy. Uh, it owns uh, almost 500 service stations uh, around Australia. The old Shell ones, weren't they, I think? Yeah, it was. And uh, they've got a good quality sort of portfolio of, as you say, service stations, but convenience and retail stores as well. Look, this one's trading a little bit below NTA at the moment. So it's probably a little bit of uh, uh, room to move uh, on this one to the upside. Um, and I guess it, it's all about the, uh, the, the whale or the weighted average lease uh, expiry. And that currently sits around sort of uh, around about sort of five to six years. So that, that's exactly what you want. You want these businesses to have that long lease period uh, to go forward. They are completing a buyback at the moment. Um, so, you know, all of that stuff, I, th- I think it's okay. Um, I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of this business, but looking at the chart, looking at uh, their business and, and certainly in service stations and convenience stores, I'm okay to buy with this one. I'll, I'll go out on a bit of a limb okay. here. I'm, I'm actually okay with it. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, right. I'll say it's a buy, Roshi. Uh, Rob? Yeah, um, look, I'll start off by saying it's an accumulate for us. And, and really, this comes back to uh, the discussion at the very beginning of the show, and that is that we really are looking to uh, work the sell side in the market at this point in time with a fear that, you know, post-dividend, uh, you know, the, the, the market does come off a bit. And we think that that'll just um, kind of wash a lot of these stocks lower, good good stocks with the bad stocks lower. Um, so. Everything at this stage for us that we'd be buying is more of an accumulation um, on, on some weakness. So at the moment, just given where the overall market is, Waypoint for us is also an accumulate. Um, once we get through reporting season, we get the large cap names like Fortescue and BHP actually going ex-dividend, uh, then we'd probably turn Waypoint read into a buy rather than accumulate. Um, it pays a really good dividend. It's at 5.6%. The price earnings uh, ratio on it uh, compared to their peer group is really good. It comes in at 7.6 compared to 17.6 for their peer group. Um, it's a very good spread of assets uh, nationally, you know, across each of the different states. It's not like they've got localized uh, geographic geographic risk that could be impacted by a single state's, um, you know, COVID impact, something like that. So we really like them and, and, and very defensive, as you said. You know, people are still going to have to go to these convenience stores. In fact, more and more, I think people are just quickly ducking out from home to the convenience store, the local one, to pick up just a few bits and pieces just to tide them over so that they don't have to make as many um, major shopping trips. Uh, And also, everyone still needs, um, you know, fuel for their cars at this stage. So, yeah, we're very happy to put it into portfolios. Uh, At the moment, as I said, we're not really buying anything, but uh, this is more for the yield on the REIT side of things. If 
uh, viewers are looking to get capital growth from the REIT instead, then again, we'd refer them to uh, Centuria Group with their uh, industrial assets. Right. We think that's going to have really large demand uh, moving forward as all the businesses identify the need for a digital footprint uh, and they're somewhere to house the products that they're selling online. So okay. um, CIP for growth, but this is a good yield play. Okay. All right, Rob, um, next one, Jackson wants a view on Freedom Foods. Jackson says, with the company's checkered past, is it worth <laughs> holding? If, if you got Renard under a bit of a rock during COVID and, and ignored the share market, Freedom Foods got into all sorts of strife with right, big unexpected write-offs, then they went for a raise, then they were suspended. They had to uh, redo their financing with National Australia Bank and HSBC. Just got in all sorts of strife. Um, Rob, is it uh, one of those ones that's gone through an ugly year and looks so ugly that it could be looking attractive? No, no, not enough for us. This is... <laughs> no. <laughs> yep, I agree with you. I agree. <laughs> this this is still a sell for us. In fact, I think this stock really uh, is, it highlights one of the key differences between your typical retail investor and your uh, professional institutional investor. Um, you know, when things get bad, the institutional and professional investor just gets out straight away, is happy to, um, you know, miss a little bit of the bounce back to be comfortable that the company have, you know, changed their ways. Whereas the retail investor typically thinks, well, I hope all the bad news is out already. Uh, and then ultimately, you know, like Freedom Foods, it isn't. And they get hurt again and again. Um, look, the legal disputes you, you kind of raised was one was with Blue Diamond over their licensing agreement to manufacture and distribute. Uh, they also had a second legal dispute. There was a class action against them for failing to write off expired inventory. And then from that, uh, you know, the fact that they'd overstated their financial position. So very damning things uh, to the company. And when you lose that trust with institutional investors, um, it's very hard to see any kind of recovery in the share price in the short term. Uh, it would be a turnaround play uh, if you were you know, a high risk investor, but we've got a couple of preferred uh, names for that. Uh, if you're just looking to get something else in the food industry, we'd probably look at something like an Elders, um, which is obviously going back to uh, you know, the, the actual harvesting and the, the producing of the food. Uh, but if you're looking for a pure high-risk turnaround play, um, actually go and check out something like an A2 Milk, which has also been beaten up for a long time. But uh, Nestle did actually come out and say that they would yeah. be potentially interested in making an acquisition, but they are um, withholding any formal bid until, actually, until after they get to see the results that are being posted by A2 Milk, and those results are expected to come out on the 26th of August. So there's potential there for mm. A2 Milk to be a takeover play. I think we've spoken about A2 Milk several yeah. times, a number of you guests have, and I think that's generally been the consensus that the, the quickest way that A2 Milk shareholders would get a return will be on a takeover play. Mm. So definitely no to this particular company, uh, Freedom Foods, uh, and if you're looking to take some risk, A2 milk for the turnaround. Uh, if you just want exposure to the sector, something like Elders for us. Okay. Adam, uh, Freedom Foods? What more do I need to say? Yeah. Rob's just like, 
absolutely killed it on that one. Uh, look, I agree 100%. Uh, there's something that you don't want to be anywhere near. And, and really, it was all about inventory management for these guys, and they just could not manage that inventory, and hence it has gone. There are some uh, some court cases, and with investing, everybody, you have to have rules. And some of, one of my rules is that I don't get involved with stocks that have court rulings uh, or, or, or legal proceedings against them at the moment. So that's for me, is, is, is a straight-out no. The stock has been diluted to all... Yeah, all hell. Um, so you need to be careful about that. And the risks are that they can't comply with some of those food safety standards. Uh, the growth strategy might not work. There's lots of things that will continue to do this one. Look, if you really want a spicy one, and I agree with A2 Milk because I've got stock in that and I love that business. But the other one is RFG. Um, you can have a look at Retail Food Group. Well, sure, and Partners have got a buy on that one with a 14 cent price target. Again, it's in a lot of trouble. Uh, and it is recapitalizing as well as it has legal proceedings against it as well. So, uh, yeah, for me, it's an avoid. I wouldn't touch Freedom Foods okay. at all. All right. Uh, that's a pretty clear direction and, and some really good alternatives uh, for you there, uh, Jackson. Appreciate the uh, suggestion. Stuart now wants a view uh, Adam on Vulcan Resources, the lithium group. Uh, Stuart says... If it uh, could be put to your panellists, where does a lithium company like Vulcan Resources sit in terms of being a cyclical commodity when uh, the future on our roads at least is about electric cars? Um, then Stuart goes and brags a bit. Um, yeah. I bought Vulcan yeah. at $3.20. It's now at 13 bucks. Come on, Stuart, keep a lid on it. Um, <laughs> well done, my boy. Uh, one of the... Uh, uh, the best performers on the market last financial year. Um, Adam, where do you see yeah. Vulcan? Oh, look, it's a tough one. I, I didn't buy it at, at, at you know, at a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, five dollars, six dollars, you know, so I, I obviously missed uh, a lot of that run. Look, it's done very, very well. And a lot of us uh, talked about it and said, oh, no, back in January, we were like, oh, no, it's run too hard. It's sort of 10 bucks and nine dollars and you know, things like that. So, look, overall, I think that this one is a, is a good company and it certainly uh, has done very, very well because of some of the uh, the backers that are in it. And we know that um, Gina Reinhardt's son, uh, John Hancock, has been a very vocal one in this group and has done very, very well about it. And certainly uh, they are talking about introducing a zero carbon lithium project. Again, that gets everybody excited about how they can do zero carbon for some of those lithium resources as well. Look, overall, lithium is certainly one of those ones that is going to be a metal of the future. There's no doubt about it. We, we're seeing them more in batteries. We're seeing uh, more and more uses for lithium. But also remember, lithium isn't a rare commodity. There is a lot of lithium around, especially in South America. There is a lot. And, and, the, and the last lithium boom that we saw, and as well as the fall, was that South America just turned the tap on and started producing more lithium, which then sent the commodity price lower. This time, potentially, it might be different. Uh, there's more and more batteries in the world. There is more and more need for that lithium resource. But really, everyone is getting very excited about this zero carbon or zero emissions yep. to put this project together. For me, I think I've missed it all the way, so I'm not going to be able to call anything. So it's a hold for me. If you hold it, absolutely. Up here looks a little bit ritzy for me, so I, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna bow out and say I didn't pick it at the start and I can't pick it now. Yep, Rob. 
Yeah, look, I agree in large part to what um, Adam was saying there that, you know, we miss it as well at the beginning. I uh, had a few clients kind of step in and pick it up around the uh, $7 level, maybe March, April. Uh, we, we've given them some general advice to start trimming that back out of portfolios recently. Um, just again, you know, the, there's been a big push on lithium uh, recently. We're very, very positive in having anything that's exposed to the electric vehicle markets in client portfolios. So, um, you know, whether it's a lithium producer like Vulcan, which has potential to become the largest lithium producer in Europe, or whether it's someone, something like a, the Magnus Energy Corporation that was added to the Osby's portfolio the other day. Um, you know, they had come out, I think, with um, uh, a technological improvement over 12 months ago saying that um, they could uh, recharge 85% of electric vehicles um, battery within six minutes, which was, you know, unheard of previously. Um, but look, you know, our widest position in the lithium space still remains to be a company called Pan Asian Metals. I've spoken about it a few times. Yeah. They've got a great uh, tenement over in uh, Southeast Asia. Uh, we are expecting them to come out with a jork resource on that in the next um, two months or so. Um, so that's where our focus is. But we're very comfortable to add companies like um, you know, Vulcan as a top up to that exposure. Uh, also looking to pick up companies like Magnus Energy Corporation. So we've got some diversification within this exposure. We don't just want to hold uh, the lithium producers. We want to kind of get into the companies that also produce the products that would be used uh, within the electric vehicle space. Um, you know, the, the overriding kind of thesis for investment in here is to say, look, five or six years ago, if you saw a hybrid vehicle on the road, it was a head turner. Nowadays, it's not, they're, they're, yeah. they're so common. We think that the same uh, thematic will play out with electric vehicles. You know, They're starting to hit our roads, they'll be a lot more common soon. They're still head turners, but you know, five, six years from now, they won't be. And that uh, there's, gonna, there's a high demand for a number of things, including lithium, uh, in order to get that product onto the road. Uh, and if you want to get really long term on it, you know, you're talking 10, 15 years, the head turner on the roads will actually be the cars that are driven by fossil fuels. So the cars that are purely, yeah. you know, uh, yep. leaded and unleaded petrol, they'll be the head turners. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so a no from Volcom Fuel or would you have it as a hold, Rob? Oh, look, we would hold it if it's in the portfolio. Right. We look, full disclosure, we have trimmed a little bit of it out. Uh, right. back to a non-core to core holdings for clients, but definitely it has a place in okay. your portfolio for sure. All right. Uh, Rob Kate wants a view on, on Adbury, the old Adelaide Brighton uh, cement, which is uh, in cement and concrete and uh, is based in the heart of Port Adelaide. It's like the Taj Mahal of Port Adelaide, the big cement <laughs> tower that goes up there. You, you drive down the port road, you look at it there and you go, yep, back home in a working class Port Adelaide. That's where our roots are. I'd like to think I'm smart enough to not say anything bad about anything associated with Port Adelaide on this show, David. <laughs> no, no, um, no, go for your life. You'll never be invited back, mate. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, look, short term, I really like the technicals on it. Um, mid to long term, you know, analysts are not particularly uh, fussed with the sector domestically. We've already seen some data coming out on construction trends, you know, home builders. We're seeing that starting to decline already. Uh, there is a report coming out from these guys on the 25th of August. Um, so, you know, we'll be telling clients, look, you know, wait for that. Um, you know, we'd be kind of getting yep. it out of portfolios just before uh, they report just to take that risk off the table. Um, the fact that it's pure domestic play for us um, means that it's not our preferred um, vehicle for exposure to the sector. We would prefer something like uh, Reliance Worldwide, uh, ticker code is RWC. Again, just full disclosure on that one, that actually hit our price target today. So, uh, you know, we, again, we wouldn't be going and buying that. We, we've been holding it. Uh, we'd probably look to clients to accumulate into RWC on a pullback. Uh, we also like James Hardy as well. But again, also, you know, on, on a pullback uh, and purely those two names for their international exposure. Um, you know, not only do we think that the, the US and the UK will be the leading economies or developed economies moving forward. Uh, one, the US because of the uh, fiscal stimulus, uh, the UK because they're expected to have saturation on the second COVID vaccine first, um, but also what that means for the currency for those countries and when the companies have to repatriate the funds from earnings they've made over there, it actually um, increases the margins. So you've got that natural tailwind behind you. So okay. um, right now, as far as um, this company goes, we, we wouldn't be holders of it. Um, if you did have it, we'd trim it out on, the, on some strengthening hmm. technicals before it reports. Okay. And then uh, reassess on the 25th. Otherwise, yeah, my two preferred yep. names were RWC and JHX. Adam? Yeah, I'm, I'm with Rob. James Hardy all the way for us. Uh, I think that US housing market is fantastic time to be alive, and especially in the US market as well, and that housing side of things. So James Hardy is a definite buy from us. ABC, <laughs> I think it's neutral or you'd be a hold. Uh, I don't think you need to sell it if you hold it because obviously... Uh, they do provide uh, some uh, products here in the Australian market, but it is a bit more of a mature market uh, compared to some of these other ones are, are around the around the world. So um, I'd stay with where the growth is, and that is certainly in the US. Uh, for me, uh, it'd be a hold. So I'm just okay. happy with it there. All right. Okay. And our final stock, uh, Eliza Adam wants a view on Gentrek Group, a uh, software group uh, specialises in... Uh, software support for um, energy, utilities, water companies and airports, mainly in Australia and New Zealand? Yeah, it's, it's actually, I've only, I only really looked at this company a couple of times. So it actually looks okay uh, for me. I mean, that enterprise billing services and customer, you know, services of software, I think is, is, is something that, you know, you could definitely look at uh, on, for, for uh, ongoing for a little bit longer. It is, it is quite uh, thinly traded. Today has only had sort of 60,000 shares traded, so I'd be a little bit careful there. I do like that whole idea of software uh, as a service, but also that billing uh, side of things. I think Hanson was the other one that's uh, under takeover at the moment, and that's mm. a very boring business. But, you know, boring sometimes is good in this market. So, look, I actually don't mind it. Um, I don't know enough. It has certainly, the price has certainly been depressed and it doesn't look like it's getting off, off the canvas anytime soon. So for me, I think it would be an avoid. 
I don't think you need to be there. There are plenty of other businesses out there, especially yeah. in that software development space that you could do a lot better. So yeah, I'd just be an avoid on that one. Okay. David? Well, yeah, so this is a very small company. It's only about 190 odd million. Uh, it is a potential turnaround play, uh, but should only really be looked at for, for high-risk investors. Uh, liquidity issues, as Adam mentioned, uh, would make it very difficult not only to get in, uh, but also to get out. And I think uh, retail investors need to understand that when bad news comes out, liquidity dries up. So if liquidity is an issue when there's no bad news, um, think of it as there not being any liquidity to get out. Um, you know, it's quite common, you know, when these stocks go go south, um, just a, a small retail order might push the price down three, four, five percent. Mm. So uh, we wouldn't be getting in unless, you know, if someone's just taking a bit of a bit of a, a gamble on it. Um, look, the price is down 80 percent since 2018. Uh, they've basically cleaned house. They've got a new CEO, a new CFO. They've got a new board of directors. You know, all that change happened in April last year. Um, you know, their price first got hit because of uh, regulatory changes over in the UK. Then their price got hit again because they had customer deferrals and some losses as well. Um, you know, we, with utility companies that they'd partners with, that you know, they're losing those customers. Uh, their price got hit a third time because they had a, a large client called E.UN, which suspended their services. So, you know, if you're getting involved in this company, it really is a turnaround play where you're backing the ability of management to come back in and increase margins, lower costs, increase revenue, and most importantly, probably adapt their business to the regulatory changes yeah. uh, that have been uh, put upon them. What I would note is, you know, one last redeeming feature, you know, for those high-risk investors is uh, the second largest shareholder is actually Australian Ethical Investments. Uh, they hold about uh, 13% of the company. So yeah. it could potentially be one of those names that starts to get added to the, the ESG fund managers, potentially. Right. Uh, but I guess they would only be interested as well once they get um, a higher level of confidence in yeah. that C-line management and board of directors. So there's a bit of liquidity in, a, in it. Um, yeah, Rob, exactly. thank you for your time today. Rob Caller from uh, Macro, Dorsey from Shoreham Partners. Always great to have you aboard. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week. Good on you guys. Thank you. Uh, let's just quickly Thanks. recap because we we're running out of time on the final five stocks. Uh, the Waypoint REIT. Um, we've got uh, accumulate on a pullback from Rob uh, for yield investors uh, and a yes from Adam. Freedom Foods, uh, don't go anywhere near it if you've got it, sell it. Um, an option in, in the sector uh, from Rob is elders, uh, a higher risk one in the, uh, the sector is A2 milk and, and from Dorsey, uh, uh, sell it as well if you want a, a turnaround Sector one, um, RFG, um, retail food group um, is an option there. Uh, Vulcan Resources, a hold from both of them. Uh, Rob prefers Pan-Asia and Magnus. Magnus is already in the calls portfolio. Uh, Adbury, a hold from, uh, from Adam, uh, from Rob, a no. Wait until they report coming out very shortly. And GenTrack, a no from both as well. Uh, so that's it for our show for today. If you've got any stocks you want us to uh, have a look at, put them in an email to us, the call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. Reminder, if you want to see all the uh, stocks in the call's fantasy portfolio, 
Uh, thanks to Nabtrade, uh, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And a quick note from us here at Osbiz. We love what we do here at Osbiz. If you do too, now is the time to tell your friends. If you refer five friends uh, to Osbiz and they sign up, you're in the um, running to be part of a $10,000 prize pool, including a $5,000 account uh, in the Self Wealth Trading Platform. Uh, to enter, all you have to do is share the referrals code you receive in your Close of Business newsletter, which you get every afternoon after the markets close. If you haven't subscribed to Ausbiz yet, not too late, uh, just go to ausbiz.co forward slash join where you can read all the terms and conditions. Entries close for this particular competition on the 1st of September or the 5th of September. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.